Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. I am with you always. As you breathe in, my presence surrounds you. I am here the creator of humanity. Are you listening for me? I know that you long for my presence, for my heart is to be present with you. I watch as the morning light announces a new day. In the breeze brushing past your face, I am with you every step of the way. In the struggle and the challenge, I am with you. I will walk with you through fire. I calm the raging seas. My spirit will never leave you. Come find me. Search me out. Sit in my word and soak in my presence. Practice walking in my footprints. Dance in my court. Bring shouts of thanksgiving. See creation in vivid color as you discover me, the creator. My voice is speaking. My presence is here. No matter your circumstances, I am with you always. Well, good morning. It's a, uh, a pleasure to be here. And just to clarify, when Dave was all like, I love to champion people of the next generation, men and women, I'm a man. So just... <laughs> The way he said it, I was like, it sounds like you're introducing me as a woman, but I'm a man, just to, to clarify, so we can get that across uh, to start with. Uh, just to let you guys know, and this is, this is just a little bit of just self-confession, some of you might judge me for it, but uh, at heart, I'm a heavy metal kid. Yeah, I, I love listening to heavy metal music. Just give me some intense guitar, drums, and some random man yelling at me, and everything is good. I know that's probably confusing for many of you, but there's just something about heavy metal music that just brings some great sense of joy to my soul. Now, before you guys worry too much, I've been past this kid. So the only heavy metal I was allowed to listen to was Christian heavy metal. But man, there's just something about it. I didn't just love the music. I love the lyrics. Here's some of my favorite, just some of my favorite lyrics. You know, these guys, just again, imagine 20 to 30-year-old men, heavily tattooed, yelling these lyrics at you, and you'll understand why I feel so good about it. But it's, uh, here I am, God, send me to the world. Or break everything in your path, take your rightful place in my life. These lyrics would fire me up. Now, they would fire me up so much that me and some of my friends would have worship mosh pits in my bedroom. Like, I'm not just kidding. Like, if anyone's ever seen a heavy metal show, like, we were running in circles like this going, God, you're so good. Yeah, we love this. And we were just like jumping up and down and dancing while these men were yelling and screaming at us. And we loved it. It would fire me up like nothing else. I, I can tell you right now, some of those moments when, you know, you feel God's presence in worship were most powerful in my bedroom while I was running around in a circle with my friends, you know, like while these men were yelling at me. Heavy metal music just had something going on in my heart. But as a teenager that loved heavy metal, rocking up to church on a Sunday was an experience. You know, I'd been driving in with, you know, these guys yelling at me. I was like, this is so good. And then I'd be met by, your love never fails and never gives up. 
never runs out on me. And you're like, yes, cool. I don't know what it was, but maybe it was just a little bit too lovey-dovey for me, but it just didn't quite give me the exact same experience. And if I'm honest, I often found Sunday worship times difficult. Just didn't quite have the intensity that I was looking for. I didn't feel like I was fired up in such a way that I was walking out of church being like, I am going to slay it this week. Demons beware, I'm on my way. You know, like I'm gonna kick you around. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take Ballarat, which is where I was living, over. You know, God is gonna come and you know, live here anyway. It, just, it didn't quite feel like that. And one Sunday night after church, I was talking to my cool worship pastor friend. You know, you know worship guys, they're always really cool. They look cool, they dress cool, they are cool. Anyway, he was like, Really cool. And I knew that he kind of liked a little bit of heavy metal, so I knew he would get my heart. You know, he'd be like, oh, I get it, man. Heavy metal's the way to go. But anyway, I walk up to him and said, hey, man, look, I don't know what the go is, but how do we get some more like heavy metal lyrics? I said, I'm, we're obviously not gonna play heavy metal in church. Like, that's just not gonna happen. But how do we get some more lyrics like that? These lyrics just, they're not doing it for me. They're not, oh, you know, they're just not firing me up. Anyway, he, he looked at me, he said, yeah, Ben, look, I, I understand. Understand why they're not necessarily doing it for you. But these lyrics, the reason why we sing isn't just to fire us up, but these are words that we sing. They're gonna speak to our hearts and prepare us for different seasons. He says, you know, we, we sung, your love never fails, because I'd obviously picked on that because it was so like, whatever. Anyway, and he's like, you know, we sing this song, not because right now, you might need to be reminded of God's love. You know, you're probably fired up, you're ready to go. You go, yeah, God loves me, I've got it all under control. But there's potentially gonna be a season where you feel like maybe you've done it. Maybe you've exhausted God's love for you. He's got nothing left. And this song is gonna be sung and you're gonna remember, his love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on you. That's why we sing these songs. And when you're a teenager and your cool worship pastor kind of says, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's a really, yeah, good thought. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it was that moment that I realized I could never go and vent to him again about my thoughts about worship music because he absolutely schooled me. And uh, it was embarrassing because my friends were there watching. But that, that, what he shared really hit me right between the eyes and right in the middle of my heart and removed this excuse that I had to not necessarily worship and praise God on a Sunday during worship and to prefer to just praise God my way at my time. And while that excuse, if I'm honest, was put to the side, there's always a few excuses or reasons or hurdles that I faced when it comes to worshiping God. You know, it's easy for me to come in here and a Sunday is like a work day. So it's easy for me to sit down the front and have a whole list of things that I feel like I need to do after the service is finished and be distracted by what I have to do for work, or for me, it could be a whole variety of other situations or circumstances that I'm not necessarily quite happy about. You know, it could be something that's happening at work or with my family back home, or it could even be just how many kids rocked up to youth on Friday night. You know, very often, it's just like those little things. I can be sitting in worship and going, God, why did you let Ariana Grande perform a show on a Friday night? We had like 30 kids there, and I prayed that you would change their hearts, and you didn't. I even asked you to make her lose her voice, and she still didn't. Like, what's the go? And here I am having to tell you how good you are. (laughs) You didn't do what I wanted you to do. But it's easy, I think, for us to find things or have things just get in the way of us being able to praise God, of being actively involved in worship on a Sunday or in our general day-to-day lives. 
I don't know about you, but maybe this morning you were sitting here in worship and there were some things getting in the way, some things stopping you from really being able to praise God. And it's okay that if for you on a Sunday morning, that four song set list is the most difficult experience of the day. Because for you, you might be here with me and you might have a bit of an obscure musical taste. It might be you prefer classical or gangster rap or maybe like me, you love heavy metal. And the music just doesn't quite do it for you. You find it difficult to enter in because it just doesn't quite hit your heart. Or maybe for you, the words are a little bit hard to sing. You know, maybe you feel like Teenage Ben, it was a little bit too lovey-dovey or you just don't quite understand what they're saying. It's too poetic and you just want to get to the point. Or maybe some of you, you find it hard because it's kind of just become routine. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but you realize that you're singing every single word and you're not consciously aware of it. You're thinking about what you need to do when you get home after church or what you need to do at work tomorrow or what you're going to do with your family that are coming up next weekend and you really have no idea at all. Maybe for some of you, it's actually more of an issue with how you're feeling towards God right now. There are some things happening in your life at work, in your marriage, or maybe your lack of marriage, in your health, that make you feel like he's forgotten about you. That make you feel like maybe he's neglected you or punishing you, or there's something that you've done that means maybe he just doesn't quite love you the way that he used to anymore, and it's difficult for you to stand there and sing songs about how good he is. I can even imagine for some of you right now that actually your problem isn't difficult things, it's actually life's great. Life's good, it's easy. You're killing it at work, you're killing it at home, you're killing it with your kids, killing it as a grandparent, whatever it is, you're just, you're killing it. You, life is great, life is good. And in those moments, sometimes it's easy to forget God on the other way. Life is great. I don't feel like I really need him right now. Everything is under control. Sometimes life being too good is just as much a problem as life being too bad. But I also can imagine that there's some of you here who are some skeptics in the room, potentially some people who sit here and go, if God is so good and so big and so powerful and so wonderful and so amazing, why does he need little old me to worship him? Surely if he knows everything, he knows how great he is and he doesn't need me to remind him, like, why is this important? Seems a little bit egotistical or a little bit vain. And maybe there's some of you here this morning who you just live for praise and worship time. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we're about to spend 25 minutes worshiping God. I can't wait. I've been working my shoulders all week so that I can have them up for the full 25 minutes. You know, like I'm ready. I'm ready to worship. And that's great. I'm so happy that you're in that season if that's you. But we all know that these seasons don't necessarily last. And for all of us, we'll have moments where things can get in the way, where things can all of a sudden get a little bit more difficult. But whatever it is that can get in the way of praising God, Today, I want to look at this idea of praise because I believe it's so important for us when it comes to both experiencing God's presence and our own spiritual lives. It's often something that I think we particularly, and this is me speaking from my own life, forget the importance of. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at this uh, unique little story in Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 31. Well, it's going to show us a whole bunch about praise and the importance of it. And I love it because it's a little bit obscure, but there's so much richness in it. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be reading from Acts 16, 22 to 31. It'll also be on the screens behind you 
uh, behind me in front of you uh, as well. But a little bit of background from where we pick it up from. So we see here that it says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. But what had happened before that to get the crowd to attack Paul and Silas is this. Paul and Silas were walking around telling people about Jesus, doing a whole bunch of really great things. And there was this one girl, and she had a demon in her, and her ability, because of that demon, was that she could predict the future. She had some people who owned her, she was their slave, and they would make her predict people's future for money. Now this woman saw Paul and Silas and realized that they were telling people about Jesus and decided what she wanted to do was follow them around and tell everybody that what they were saying was true. Now for some reason, and I don't understand this, Paul gets really mad at that. You know, I would have thought, Paul, with all of the beatings and stuff that you've dealt with, having a few supporters would have been helpful. But anyway, he doesn't like it and he turns to this woman and he says, demon, get out of her. Demon leaves and now she can't tell the future. And all of a sudden, her slave owners are really mad. So they take Paul and Silas to the courts, tell them all these things, everyone's furious, and then the crowd join in. And this is what it says. The crowd join in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped, naked, beaten with rods, and I love this, after they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when, they re when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, not just the normal cell, the inner cell, and then he fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Now the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household." Now, Paul and Silas are in an interesting place, flogged for doing God's work, flogged for helping a lady be free from demonic influence, flogged for going about telling people about the hope that is found in Jesus. Now, this experience should or would be justifiably enough for them to not turn to God and praise him. I mean, this would probably be the top of my list as to why I would not be praising God. What we see Paul and Silas do, though, is instead of being beaten and being bitter, they choose to praise God instead. What we see is their attitude turns a difficult, painful frustration into a, uh, into a situation worthy of praise. They turn their groans of pain into songs of praise. And instead of cursing God for the situation they find themselves in, they bless God for who he is while they were in their circumstances. And the reason for this is quite simple. See, Paul and Silas understand one thing, one really important thing that we're going to dive into today, and it's this. Praise is powerful. That's what they understand. That's what they know to be true. Praise is powerful. 
See, praise is a powerful act, and we see that because Paul and Silas were sitting there in prison, in chains, and they're praising, and then an earthquake happens, doors open, chains fall off. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that that's what's going to happen anytime you praise God, and that if you have any friends in prison, you should get them to organize a little prison choir, sing for a while, and then they'll be sorted out. You know, like, I'm not going to say that that is the standard that we're going to see out of this passage. But what we are going to see is that praise is powerful for a couple of reasons. And the first reason is this. Praise is powerful because it ushers us into the presence of God. Praise is powerful because it ushers us into the presence of God. It's a simple point, but when it comes to relationship with anyone, whether human or God, we always have two options with how we relate to them. And I don't know about you, but living in close quarters with people makes this really clear. See, I'm married. Two years, killing it, only what, 62 to go, I think? Is that what we agreed on? 64 years? Yeah, I'll be ancient, so that'll be fine. I'll be 90 or something, so we'll see. But um, yeah, you know, 62 years to go. Maybe more, let's do it, come on. But I've been married for ages, and I don't know about you, but when you get married, (laughs) yeah, I know, two years. It's been a dream for me, but you're about to hear that it hasn't been a dream for her, Uh, (laughs) as standard. But when you live in close quarters with people, you always have two options. People are going to annoy you, frustrate you, let you down, not put the dishes away, not fold up their clothes properly, not do the laundry in an appropriate manner. You know, like they're going to do all of these things. They're going to disappoint you and let you down. Now, like I said, my wife hasn't had to deal with too much of that. Well, actually, no, she has. I haven't had to deal with too much of that. But you always have an option. I'm going to complain about this person, or I'm going to praise this person. And I'm going to give you just a little example. See, my wife does everything brilliantly, seriously. There's only a couple of small little things that sometimes do annoy me. But when those moments happen, there's a really distinct difference between the two responses. See, when I let myself complain, be bitter, or be frustrated about the situation that I'm finding myself in, it's always interesting how many other things I can find to also then complain about. And just find yourself in a little bit of a complaining spiral, and all of a sudden, you feel a little bit more frustrated than you should be. All of a sudden, there's a little bit more of a distance in your relationship than there really is. And all of a sudden, they walk in the door after they've just come home from work, and you're really mad at them because they just didn't fold your undies the exact right way. And it's like, this is ridiculous. But complaining does this. Complaining builds a barrier in our relationship. Complaining strains what is often just a very little thing. But there's this other response that we can do. Now, this is me going to be very vulnerable. I'm not really a singer. I do have two albums on Spotify, but we can talk about that later. Uh, But I don't really sing. But this weird thing has happened since I got married. I sing about my wife all the time, like all the time. I'm driving in the car on my way home. She's not in the car with me. I'm singing about her. I'll just be like, oh, I'm going home to my wife. I'm so excited to see her when I get home. She's fun, she's smart, she's caring. She's the best person in the world. You know, like just little songs like that, literally, spontaneously, all the time. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I sing these things all the time, and it's crazy. I don't know why I do it, but I do it. But when I sing or praise, basically that's all I'm doing. I'm praising my wife for who she is, even when she's not there with me. It's interesting what happens to my relationship with her. It feels as if she's in the car with me. 
Because as I sing these things about her, I remember the times that she was funny, or I remember the times that she was caring, or I remember the times that she was thoughtful. I remember all of these things, and even though she isn't with the car, in the car with me, it feels as if she is. It's like her presence is there with me because I'm praising her. And I tell you what, there's a different reaction when she comes in the door after work that day. I'm instantly there trying to give her a hug, and she says, no, I'm not ready yet. And I say, okay, that's all right. I've just been praising you for the last hour, so I'll wait. (laughs) But it's true. You can complain about this person or about God, and it'll put up walls, or you can praise them and have this weird experience where it's like they're present with you even when they're not. See, C.S. Lewis says it like this. He says, it's in the process of being worshipped that God communicates his presence to man. It's in the process of being worshipped that God communicates his presence to man. Not because we've finally done what he requires of us to be worthy of his presence, but rather because as we praise, we become aware of who he is. We remember what he's done and therefore we are more open to experiencing his presence with us because the truth is his presence has never not been there. He's always present with us. We're just not always present to him. And let's be real. Any situation is better when God's presence is with us. And so we can choose to complain when things aren't going our way and put distance between ourselves and God, or we can choose to praise him even when it's difficult and have his presence with us. And this is why praise is so powerful and Paul and Silas were praising God. They weren't just praising him (laughs) because they knew what would unfold in the next moments. They were praising him because they knew that the situation they found themselves in would be better just by being in his presence. See, praise is powerful because it ushers us into God's presence. But praise is also powerful because praise breaks chains. Now, we see in the story that Paul and Silas had literal chains fall off them as they were praising God, but this is more than just that. See, they had a choice in this moment that they could let their emotions and their experiences dictate their experience of God or they could let their temporary reality dictate how they felt about their eternal promises. But praise focused them instead on their eternal promises and that influenced how they experienced their temporary reality. And this is the challenge for us. Does your suffering, your bitterness, your anger, your addiction cause you to doubt God's nearness? Does your affluence cause you to forget God's goodness? Does your busyness cause you to neglect your relationship with him? Do you let these temporary realities impact the eternal promises that God has made to you? See, praise is designed to break these chains off our lives. Because to praise is to sing these eternal promises over ourselves. This morning, we were literally just singing about the goodness of God, about how it chases after us, it never leaves us, it's always there for us, and that he will continue to be good. That is us choosing to sing an eternal promise over our temporary realities. See, praise is designed to break chains, to help us have the proper perspective on these things. See, praise, (coughs) sorry, is to spend Those moments reminding yourself that while you may be feeling overwhelmed by your sin, God has overcome it through Jesus. 
Praise is designed to remind yourself that while people don't seem to love you, it never changed the truth that God always has. To remind you that while your relationship may be falling apart through unfaithfulness, that God himself has always been faithful. To remind you that even though your business is going under, God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. See, in these moments where despair, bitterness, anger, shame, guilt, and sin threaten to enslave us, where affluence and busyness distract us, we must remember that praise was designed to break these chains. And so for us, what we often see as excuses not to praise, we must recognize are actually reasons to praise. And there's been no better example of this in my life than this time when I was leading on a youth camp. It's back in Victoria and it was the middle of winter and uh, we had kids from all over the state coming together for this camp, kind of like an SU camp that you guys have up here. And on this camp, it was the second last night, one of the kids, he was in year 12, he got a phone call from his mum. And on that phone call, she had to tell him the sad news that his grandfather had passed away. Now, this wasn't necessarily a surprise. He came on camp knowing that that was a possibility. His grandfather had been sick for a long time and uh, that... Doctors weren't 100% sure how much longer he was uh, going to have. Thank you so much. But he gets this phone call and obviously is very, very upset. So he goes to his room and he spends some time just in tears, you know, crying because his grandfather's passed away. And after a while, one of his leaders goes into the cabin, prays with him, talks with him and brings him back out and they kind of get involved in what's going on. He comes and has dinner gets involved in the evening activities, running around doing all that sort of stuff. Now, I've seen him take the call and go to his room and cry, but I kind of forget about what's going on because I've got my own boys to look after, and year eight boys, a second to year nine boys, and the most difficult boys to look after on a youth camp. So I was, I was hands full. Like, I was running around trying to chase kids and keep them off things and all that sort of stuff. And eventually, I finally got my kids at the end of the night into their cabin and ready to go to sleep. I'd done my job. I leave my room, and I'm going to my cabin now, to go to sleep because the year eight and nine boys have absolutely run me ragged. But as I'm getting closer to my room, I hear a guitar playing and some people singing. I go, oh, that's cool. As I get closer, I begin to recognize the song. It's Blessed Be Your Name by Matt Redman. And it's the part that they're singing is that part where it says, you give and take away, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. And as I continue to get closer, what I see blows my mind, and it still overwhelms me to this day, I see a circle of guys, the year 12 boys, with their cabin leader. And in the middle of that group, with a guitar in hand, leading them in song, tears streaming down his cheeks, is the guy who just heard that his grandfather had passed away. And I just still remember being in awe of the fact that in that moment, he chose to praise. A difficult situation. He couldn't be there. He knew that his grandfather wasn't going to be there when he went home. And still he chose to praise. And not just praise, but to sing those words, you give and take away, you give and take away. Lord, my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. And he didn't realize it at the time. I think he knew it was the right thing to do, but he had every reason to be angry with God, to let his emotions dictate how he saw God, but rather he chose to praise and those things that look to enslave him and put some chains over his life and his relationship with God never got the opportunity to because praise protected him, because praise breaks chains. 
And what we often look at as excuses not to praise are actually reasons to praise. Because when we praise, we invite God to break through and break off the chains in our lives. Finally, though, and this is often so underappreciated and under, uh, under un- misunderstood about praise, is this. Praise is powerful, not only because of what it does for us, but praise is powerful because praise is a witness. Praise is a witness to those around us. See, Paul and Silas, in just this little sentence, in verse 25, I think it is, it says that they were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, you might think it was midnight and so the uh, prisoners were probably forced to listen to Paul and Silas because they were loud singers and they were trying to get to sleep and nothing else was going on and they were actually getting driven insane by the fact that these guys so rudely were singing and praying at midnight. But when you look at the actual Greek that this is written in, so what they originally wrote it to mean is this. They use this word in the Greek that describes their listening. And it's only used in this story, and it means this. It means to listen to or to listen to intently hear. See, these people, these other prisoners were listening intently to what Paul and Silas were doing because what Paul and Silas were doing was running in complete contrast to what was going on around them. See, all of the other prisoners sitting in that prison wouldn't bother praying or singing or doing whatever they were meant to do to try and please their gods because they were sitting in prison presuming that they were being punished, that they were being ignored, that their gods were completely disinterested at best or completely furious and pouring out their wrath on them at worst. And there was no point doing any of these things. Better to just sit and take the punishment and hopefully eventually the gods will be okay with me and I'll get out of here. But Paul and Silas, on their first night in prison, are singing and praying and praising the God that they believe. Because they don't believe that just because they're in prison, their God doesn't love them or care about them anymore. In fact, very much the opposite. They fully believe that no matter their circumstances or their situations, that their God loves them, cares about them, and is interested in them. And the prisoners listening to this are listening to something very different to what they're used to. And it's intriguing them. It's interesting to them. And for us as followers of Jesus, when we find ourselves in these difficult situations and we choose to praise, we find ourselves doing the very same thing. See, we live in a world that believes God is dead at worst, or at best, he's probably pretty disinterested in his creation and he's kind of just left us to our devices. That's what people believe. Some of you in this room may potentially even believe that. But when we as followers of Jesus in the difficult seasons, in the good seasons of our lives, choose to praise God, we tell them a different story. We tell them that we sing not because our God is dead, but because he is very much alive. That we sing not because our God is disinterested, but because he's very interested. We don't sing because our God doesn't care, but because our God deeply cares. And we all just have to look to the life of Jesus to see these truths in our lives, that God cares, that God loves, that God is for us, that God isn't dead, but that he's alive. And that is why we praise him. And every time we do that, we tell the world around us a different story. See, our praise speaks into the lives of others. 
I don't know about you, but I've heard story after story of people telling me that the reason that they came to faith was not necessarily a solid argument, was not necessarily anything profound that happened around them, but it was what they saw a Christian friend or family member do in both the highs and the lows of their life, as when things were difficult, they still claimed that God was good, that when things were good, they still gave glory and honor to Him. They saw this and they said, there's something different about them. And it's not that their life is easier. It's how they respond when it's difficult. See, your praise is a witness. It's not something that just stays here on a Sunday, but it's something that goes with us wherever we are and is a witness to those around us. See, praise is powerful because it ushers us into God's presence. See, praise is powerful because it breaks chains. Praise is powerful because it's a witness to others. Praise is powerful. That's what we believe. That's who we are. And so you need to choose to be a person of praise because praise is powerful. Whether the music is for you or not, choose to praise. The words are hard to sing, choose to praise. If it's become a bit too routine for you all, choose to praise. Distracted, praise. Letting your temporary realities speak to your eternal promises, praise. Life the best it's ever been, praise. A little bit skeptical, try praise. See, when you choose to add a lifestyle of praise to your faith, you get to see the power of praise poured out over it. You get to see the presence of God at work in your life as as you praise Him, He communicates His presence to you, not because you finally earned it, but because you were finally aware of it. And as you praise, you'll see these chains break over your life, bitterness, anger, sin, shame, guilt, busyness, affluence, whatever it is that's holding you back from being able to worship Him. As you just start to praise, these things break and change. And as you praise, you get to make a difference in the lives of those around you as you witness to them through your praise. And so my encouragement to you as people is to do what you need to do to praise God in your life. Don't just let the only time you praise Him be here on a Sunday. Don't let these people just pick the set list for you all the time of your praise, but do what you need to do to praise. Find the music that speaks to you. Heck, find Christian artists that, that make music that you like. Be people who just find time to write down the things that you just wanna praise God for, the good things that He's doing in your life, the things that He's done in the past, the things that you know He'll continue to do in the future. If you're looking for a playlist, go online, download our Spotify playlist, find us on YouTube. We've got a playlist for this present series. Let that lead you in praise. Maybe find a group of other people to gather together in praise. I still remember being 19, 20 years old. Some of me and uh, my brothers and my friends, we would get together on like a Thursday night. We'd go into church because I worked there. I had the keys, I'd let myself in. And we would just stand there and we would praise in one of the rooms because we just wanted to do it. If that's what's gonna help you, do it. Make praise a part of your lifestyle so that you can have the power of praise pour out over your life. Do what you need to do to make praise a part of your lifestyle. Because if we're to be people of His presence, then we need to be people of praise. If we wanna be a church that's known for His presence, then we need to be a church that's known for its praise. And we today are gonna choose to be people who praise. 
So we're not gonna let there be excuses in our life. We're not gonna miss this opportunity that we have right now to worship together, to let other people's praise inspire our praise, to let other people's faith give us faith, to miss this opportunity to spend this time worshiping together. Praising our God who has been so good to us before, is so good to us right now and will be so good to us again in the future. And so I'd love for you to just stand. Let's just stand together now. We're gonna sing. And we're gonna sing this song. It's an old hymn called It Is Well. And the reason we're gonna sing this song, and I just, it's sad, but I just love where this has come from. The man who wrote this song, he lost his four children in the sinking of a boat in November, 1873. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty strong reason not to praise God. Have a lot of questions, a lot of doubts, a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness. But instead, he wrote this song, that it is well with his soul. We're gonna sing this song together. It talks all about the highs and the lows of our faith and our life, and that in it all, it is well, and we will continue to praise God. And so what I want you to do, and I wanna totally empower you to do whatever it is that you need to do to worship Him right now. If that for you is to not sing these lyrics and to sing your own, write your own, pray your own, talk your own, whatever it is that you need to do, do it. If it's for you, if it's to come down the front, get on your knees and just be before Him, do it. Just do what you need to do right now to praise God because He is worthy of it. And we wanna see His power and the power of praise pour out over our lives and over this church. But the other thing I wanna invite you to do is I wanna recognise that there is potentially some things in the way for some of you. There's some hurt, there's some pain, there's some things that you think stop you from being able to worship God today. And I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come down the front and they're gonna be here and they're gonna be available to pray with you. There's something that you need to talk to them about or something you just need some prayer for. They would love to pray for you to help set you free to be able to praise God for who He is and for you to see the power of of praise poured out over your life. So I'm gonna pray, the prayer team's gonna come out the front and then you guys have permission to praise God however you need to as we sing this song together. So Heavenly Father, we just wanna thank you so much for your goodness. And God, we wanna thank you that you give us this gift of praise. Lord, that there is great power in it. And Lord, I pray right now that for each of us, Lord, that you would help us just in this moment praise you, Lord, that we might be ushered into your presence, Lord. That we would praise you so that we can see some things that have been chaining us and holding us back from being with you break off of us, Lord. And God, that we might praise you so that we can be a witness to those around you, around us who don't know you, Lord. God, give us the freedom and the courage right now to just do what we need to do to praise you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love and for your grace. We thank you for all of these things. In your name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.